I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Appreciate you joining us. Welcome in on a Balls Wednesday. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. There's Director Matthew. Gang's all here. And that includes you guys. Appreciate it. On Twitter, it's at Jay Cameron Show. Is it, uh, is it true? Are we going to be able to talk about Destin Hill? Is that right? Is that a thing? Is he a, a real person? Is he here? Is that right? feel like that has been a a talking point, not for us, but the chat or the message boards or anything FSU-related in which people can chime in on. It's like, like six years. Dude's 33. I don't know if he's kept his speed. We're going to have to see. That was the key component to his recruitment was that he was very fast. And I can tell you when you hit your 30s, a lot of that speed begins to dissipate. It's hard to keep your legs in your 30s, Tom. So we shall see if any of that's still here a decade later. It's tough. It's tough. I did a video on that topic, Mm. Ira and I, this morning. It was a little after 8 in the morning where we recorded, and I typed the lower third, and it said, you know, Destin Hill enrolled at Florida State. And I opened the video with, I can't believe I just typed that. This never happens. When a kid doesn't show up, and usually it's for reasons that have to do with academics or, you know, something else. But when the kid doesn't show up in a timely fashion after the signing classes, the 2021 signee, the only way they make it back around is through the JUCO route. You know, you see them three or four years later. They always wanted to be a knoll. That's a storyline. We've written that story over the years. We've talked about that. Sure. But not like this. Kid hasn't played it down. And they've said the coaching staff has been steadfast to everybody else rolling their eyes, but the coaching staff has been steadfast since that point. He'll be here eventually, and eventually apparently has come. Yeah, the part that's rare isn't just that. It's it's not just one-sided, right? You're, you're bringing up a great point. Most of the time when a kid doesn't make it in and there are any number of problems as to why, regardless of 
you know, if they're nefarious or not, just whatever it might be, you just, enough time goes by, you kind of realize it's just never going to happen. The kid's going to have to go a different route. The coaches have moved on. But the fact that the coaches stayed with him, I would suggest means the speed's still there, Tom, even in his 30s. The speed must still be there because they kept hope alive. They did not move on to other receivers that also possess speed. They kept the spot for that kid. So I'm guessing, you know, maybe they had him send uh, video footage wherever it was he had moved to and started a family and all that. You know, wherever that he out there running in the front yard showed enough quick twitch. Yeah, he was playing 500 with the kids. Yeah, they were like, it's still there, guys. We just can't yank that scholarship off or look at that speed. He closed on that quickly. Yeah, his one kid is becoming a junior in high school. Out jumped his uh, oldest son who's 16. Chucked it up in the air and they said, ooh, that looks like something you would do when you catch a punt and return a punt. I love it. (laughs) I like it. Let's bring him on down. Now, wouldn't that be the plot twist of it all, that this kid turns into some sort of, and, you know, this is pie in the sky, but an all-conference punt returner? Like, wouldn't that be just the perfect end to the story? Wouldn't suck. It wouldn't suck We kind of need a punt returner. We sure do. Ours went to Utah and is dealing with uh, injuries, so we got to find one. And, again, you know, you don't have to be electrifying at the gig. I need you to catch it. We can't give up all of the non-hidden yards when a stadium witnesses a ball rolling end over end for 35 to 40 yards after it bounces. There is so much lament, not about the hidden, but the very obvious yardage that is bouncing away along with the time. You know, that might be the one and only thing in the lost decade, my era of undergrad, that we did consistently well was return punts. Oh, in the last decade? That's we true. We were very we good, were good at returning at punts. We, we had a lot of guys. Willie Reed, Greg oh. Reed, a couple of guys in between. Willie Reed was one of my favorites to watch return. I mean, he was electrifying. You're like, Look at Willie Reed out here giving us some pride, something to hold on to in the midst of all this suck. Like We were legitimately pretty good at that. Yeah. To where you think it should always be that way. But apparently it's not that easy. Apparently it's not. We got professional last year. Uh, probably a little bit better than professional. Was it great? No, but what a stable, stabilizing force Michael Pittman was. But we've got to have a run on that now. Got to do it. Depending on who you believe, it's out there, too, that Keon Coleman is a, a, a very possible uh, addition to this roster. Not saying it's going to happen, but it's possible. And some people say Florida State's in the lead. Others would say no chance, not going to happen. I'm not overly concerned. I'm just, I'm telling you, you flip around, you read things, you hear from people, folks in the know. We're not out of the running for something like that. I think you bring in a Keon Coleman and you end up, like you said, you bring in Destin Hill and you know, all of a sudden, you know, again, we talk about explosiveness and guys that can change the scoreboard and punt returner and all the possibilities, those competing at that level and filling very vital roles for a team that has championship ambitions. Yeah, uh, I agree across the board. Uh, To me, I think if you look at the competition for Coleman and it reads Ole Miss and I think Louisville are two of the teams that are in the mix, it's not Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. So if this kid cares at all about winning and the profile of winning, then Florida State has to be right there at the very end of the finish line, and then it's just a matter of, is there a significant difference in maybe an offer 
an NIL opportunity for the kid. And you never know with that. That's one thing it's hard to account for. And how significant is that difference? You know, because if it's close and you're considering us and a school like Ole Miss and Louisville, and those are teams that we were going head-to-head with in recruiting battles for the last three or four seasons. Look, Look who we're battling with these days, the Georgias, the Alabamas of the world. Man, if you're looking for a money season, and I mean moving forward, where are you going to be more high-profile with a better quarterback than here at Florida State? If those are your three considerations. Florida State? It's not even close. It's, um, I don't let myself get too far out in front of this. Meaning, I don't get too far down the road of believing or telling myself that they're going to get this player. And I'm not trying to explain this player or describe this player as the next Randy Moss. But I think he could make a significant impact on the room and a significant impact on the season if he chooses Florida State. You're talking about a very established Power 5 wide receiver who did it with a less-than-suitable quarterback um, You know, at this level. I can't imagine what he would do in this offense. Yeah, and Auburn is one of those other teams that's in the consideration. But again, they're not ready. They're not ready for prime time. They're ready to overspend for a defensive end, like in the last recruiting cycle that maybe we lost in the 11th hour. That's what they're ready to do. But if you're looking for eyeballs on sets, high profile, winning culture, everything that comes with the goodwill. Of course, it's about to win right the hell now. Going on an ACC championship or a playoff run or both or whatever it is. I look at the roster and I say, I believe Kentron can be a solid number two. Having said that, if you can get Keon Coleman, you go get him if he if he fits within the parameters that we're looking for, both financially and from a culture standpoint. I don't think that there were any red flags from a culture standpoint coming out of his visit. So if the coaching staff signs off and says he's a fit, man, absolutely. He's an absolute improvement for that group. Well, and think about just how I mean, again, I brought this up right before we took a couple days uh, off last week, and and I was off on Monday. But we talked about it's not just the speed and the ability to be productive in the Power Five, big-time college football. Uh, Again, we're talking about a kid who had nearly 800 yards receiving at Michigan State in the Big Ten, real good competition, and he did it with a substandard quarterback. And and he's only getting bigger and stronger and better <clears throat> as he ages. He's only going to be more open yeah. by the nature of the offense and he's the balance to. that yeah. he's going to. But yeah. then think about the size, man. Again, I continue to talk about we. Everything is about matchup problems, creating matchup problems, creating one on ones, creating mismatches. You know, I feel like from a game plan standpoint, Jordan Travis uh, has an opportunity to go in and really kind of execute any given week in a way that could be entirely different from the week before. It's so fun to watch what we see from Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins. It's a team that works well together and exploits defensive weakness and mismatches. We're adding to the cupboard here, man. There's just more spices to choose from. It's like, well, I always use salt and pepper. But now look at all these options. It's incredible what you could do right now if you're making this meal, the meal being the offense. It's remarkable. There's one thing that he does very, very well that – will always translate when you see Big Ten film, which is fight through contact to make the catch. Mm -hmm. And those are the types of things when you are trying to get from playoff contender to title contender, very different things, you got to have guys who can play through contact. And, And whether that's a running back who can shed 
And Trey Benson's very good at his elusive rating was through the roof last year. If he had enough carries, he would have been number one in the country in the elusiveness rating. But you need dudes who can run people over. And he does that. And you need guys who can catch in traffic. Contested passes, third and six, third and goal. You throw it up, they go get it. Johnny Wilson has the height advantage to come down with tough chances. But you got to have another player who can do that. And Coleman's Michigan highlight reel, if you will, I don't like saying tape because we're not viewing the All-22 but it suggests that he can do just that. And that's where it's proven. It's a proven commodity. I think Kentron can turn into a player that's very nice in a lot of those regards, but I know that Keon Coleman is that player right here, right now, and this is a year where you're going all in. Everybody is asked to fill certain roles. We understand this. Sometimes those roles are above one's pay grade. You know, you, you see somebody and in a pinch in an office setting we got we to gotta elevate Mary. We got to elevate George, whoever it is, right? Mary and George aren't ready for this, but we don't have time right now. We've got to get this person to fill this role, and however they fill it, hopefully it's passable until we find a suitable replacement in the interview process, right? And when, when that happens, as an organization, you suffer. You may be able to get by, but you suffer. When everybody is able to fill the role they're most qualified for and suited for, then you can really thrive, and it's a well-oiled machine. I think if you're asking Portier to be a three, well, you feel very good about him being a three. You have questions about the prime-time readiness of him being a two. Day one, LSU, right now, got to have it. Game four, Clemson, right now, got to have it. He might be by season's end. He may even be, Tom, by game one. I don't know. We don't know. But that's an uneasy feeling to go into a game of that magnitude with a I don't know. Yes, 100%. That's why I feel like on the offensive line, for example, Maurice Smith and Demetri Emanuel are probably your center and your right guard because you need to have guys that you know for a fact can handle those moments. They just did it last year against the very team that they're going to face in LSU. And I I like the way that you couch that because we're not saying that Kentron can't be that guy. It's just can he be right away because you don't have time. He had a good spring. You don't. He did, especially the end of the spring, last couple few weeks. Yeah, had a good spring. He's got good body control, like all these little details. He's really growing, and it's quick. But is it quick enough for the test at hand? You wouldn't have that question, period, if it was Keon. And then if you had Johnny and Keon, and you want a different body out there as a three or a four, now Dre Jacobs slots in very, oh, very man. naturally into that fold. God forbid we find that Winston Wright's ready to take the big step forward back to being the player he was at West Virginia when he was uber productive. If he does in fall camp, you'll hear a tone shift in our voices. Oh, it changes the receiver room. Yeah, I have said more than once, it's a good room. It ain't a great room. It's a good room. You've got... A problem matchup in Johnny Wilson. He's he's exactly that. Again, he's not a scoreboard changer, but he is a problem matchup for anybody. Any 6'7 receiver who runs the way he does is a problem. There's nobody else that elite-level teams, the best teams on our schedule and the best teams you would have to play in the postseason, would look at in that receiving uh, segment group and say, I don't know. I mean, I'm a little worried about this matchup. There's nobody that fits that bill. Not at present. Correct. It, it's Correct. Trend, it's, but it's trending that way. With, yeah, but with I Hakeem. need him to be good now. Oh, of course, of yeah, course. Yeah. I'm just saying that we've come a long way. We are now squarely above average as a receiver core, probably good to very good, somewhere in there, I think. But you look at what's coming in the future with 
Dre Jacobs and Hakeem. Oh, buddy, and- I'm pumped about the possibilities moving forward. I but yeah, this is as it pertains to walking into this season and what but, are we? And if this th- this might sound confusing, but if this season was next season, the Keon Coleman push wouldn't be as hard because you don't have as many other ready-made players at different positions. Next year is kind of a reload on the fly year. You just hope you can really quickly reload, maybe through the portal or whatever, to help put you over the top for the 24 schedule. But this year, you're all in. The chips are in the middle. So if you can get a player that is fully formed, fully realized, mm-hmm. and he, make it happen, you baby. can do it within the parameters of your collective structure, then you go get the kid. Recruiting chat? Is that right? Tonight? Tonight, 6 p.m. Tonight, 6 p.m. Here you go. My man, Michael Langston, going to get it done again. It's a busy, busy time. Another recruiting chat. He's going to cover the latest on the transfer portal and the upcoming visit weekend as well. And um, if you guys have questions for that, run over to the boards, warchant.com, and ask them to Michael. He'll get to your questions tonight. Um, There's a lot going on with Florida State still. And the buzz around the program and what's still possible from this roster for this year is, is still something t- worthy of noting and talking about on a regular basis. So that's why we continue to do it, because these guys are visiting. They're giving reactions to these visits. They're also vital. Again, I said it to Ira, and I've said it to Corey, and I've said it to you, and I keep repeating myself because we get new listeners and new viewers, and they may not know the standard by which I'm comparing these things. Last year was a very different outlook. It was that you had to have a winning season. They merely needed to be better than average. When I, to put it in context, when we would go to practice and we'd watch players develop and we'd see a kid emerge or another kid begin to trail off or there were unknowns, we would couch that conversation around the idea, are they good enough to be better than average, have a winning season, and give people a reason to believe that Mike Norvell and staff will be here long term? That's the way we had those discussions. They answered those questions with a resounding hell yes. That's what 10 wins is. I don't care that they weren't overranked teams. I don't care. This was a program up against it, up against the ropes, praying for the bell to ring. You had to have another chance and an opportunity to flourish and show that you were growing. Norvell did that. This team did that, obviously, as led by Jordan Travis, who took a massive leap forward. Okay. Now the comparisons and the, and the context and the talking points are by way of comparison to elite status, championship-level play. So when I say they've got to have this, or it would be imperative that you find an answer here, here, and here, I'm talking about against the expectation that you're trying to win the ACC and go to the college football playoff recent example that's no longer quite as recent as I'd, as I'd like, but 2010. 2010, that team won nine games before mm-hmm. they got to the bowl. Mm-hmm. They went to the ACC championship. They were thin as paper by the end of the season. Got pushed around, interior. yeah. We loved that team. They that fought, team man. They fought. Did everything that we asked of it and more, and it was okay that they came in at the finish line with a 10-4 and record. 10-4. and four is Yeah, you were happy to live with that, yeah. Two years later, the 2012 team, Loaded with seniors, senior quarterback. Fell short. 10-2 and two in the regular season. Disappointing. Very. And really kind of, I don't want to call it a choke job, but it was. Oh, it was a complete choke it was job. pretty close to it. Yeah. Pretty close to it, if it wasn't. 
and that's where we kind of are now. Is in this is kind of it's been fast tracked. Last year was kind of like 2010. This year is kind of like 2012. We skipped right over that season that we played the Champs Bowl with Notre Dame. We've gone from one to the other, and that's what the transfer portal can do for you with loading up your roster with some more veteran players, and that's what a meteoric rise of a quarterback, unexpected as it was, Jordan Travis was a good player. We didn't know he'd be one of the top two or three players in the Heisman future odds where we stand today in May of 2023. It's fast-tracking, and this is the year because most of them are gone. You flipped entire segment groups into a place of, in some cases, weakness to real strength, in other cases from... Good enough, but not great to great. So the two that I'm specifically talking about is tied in. You go from not good enough, below average, well below average, to really good, and three really guys, I think three guys that will play very significant snaps and change the fortunes of Florida State football game to game. The defensive line, interior specifically, Retention and portal, man. Retention and portal, you go from lacking depth, holding your breath when you hear, read of, or whispers of a, you know an injury to a player who's playing through it and all that. You watch an entire season, in essence, go by without your very best defensive tackle able to give you much of anything. Baby and Lovett didn't give you much of anything because when he finally did come back, he wasn't right. They were better, but he wasn't right. He wasn't who he was prior to the injury. And he got hurt in the LSU game. And so you were you, you lost it. You just didn't have real strength in the interior. And now I think they do, especially, obviously, retaining Farmer. You have that depth and rotation where these guys can ball out and really be explosive and not worry about exhaustion or having to save themselves. And God forbid, uh, forbid Braden Fisk is, is a difference maker, like a real difference maker, a quick twitch guy who can penetrate and make plays in the backfield. Because if that's true, this group is even better than I'm giving him credit for, and I'm giving him a lot of credit. Alternate universe. Think about if there wasn't retention or the portal, you know, in, in terms of our robust collective game. You wouldn't have Fabian. You wouldn't have Daryl Jackson. You wouldn't have Braden Fisk. And you might not have Farmer, judging how quickly yeah. that was wavering back and forth. Yeah. So what would you have? You'd be, you'd be going out in the portal and hoping that you could poach one or two players and you would be, again, paper thin at that position, but now you're not. And this is why you're seeing over-the-top fanciful ideas of Florida State in some write-ups being a top two, top three, top four team in the country. You know, that, I think objectively speaking, if you take a huge step back and look at it, if this were another team that we weren't connected to as we are, Tom, and you saw that. You just read a magazine article, article over a cup of coffee. And you couldn't help but notice how well they played at the end of the year before. And you're looking at it, and you're like, well, you know, it's true. That, uh, I don't know, that you know that that uh, Auburn team, there, there you go, played pretty well at the end of last year. I'm just using them as an example. I'm not saying they actually did. But if you saw that, if you, and you're like, oh, man, you know, I kind of like this piece or that piece. Boy, we are going from... Nice top 20 team to number three in the country. Really? You'd almost, you, you would reject that. I think a lot of people probably push back right about now. Absolutely. If it was Auburn or Texas or, or UCLA, yeah. Here's, yeah. here's what I'd say. I'd say, all right, every time I tuned in, they either struggled with a team they shouldn't have or they lost. Or they got bailed out because Brian Kelly didn't go for two. Because that's when it would cross the national sphere. Right. If I was it in would, a different would, time zone, yeah, yeah, that's right. I would remember the end of the LSU game. I, a, a casual fan would. 
Now, if you watched it, you know that we controlled the you balance. You know we were the better team. Game. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But you'd see the end of it and you'd say, oh my God, they got away with one. They played three ranked teams in a row in the middle of the schedule, lost to all of them, one of which didn't even have their quarterback for Correct. more than a half. Correct. That's, that's ridiculous. Worst loss of the year. And they got pushed around by two six and seven teams. Mm hmm. I, I believe it when I see it. I believe it That's when I what see you it. would say, and yeah. I understand yeah. that pushback. I get it. I also understand the enthusiasm. But I, I get the pushback because I think nationally, you're right. If this were a UCLA or a Texas, I would come in here and say, hey, guys, remember the old tent of suspicion? Well, here are these sons of bitches are right there squarely centered in the tent of suspicion. And I could picture Florida State, you know, non-Florida State fans right now going, come on, man. I like your coach, and I like your staff, and I like your moving in the right direction. And Florida State is a team that now matters again. Good to have you back amongst the fold of elite teams or programs that matter on Saturday. But we're getting out over our skis here with all this number three in the country nonsense. I can see and understand that. I like it. It's fine. It's great. It's better to be debated about in that way than to be completely insignificant. I can't re tell you how many times it hurt my soul. And I know we got to go to break. It hurt my soul when I would read these write-ups in the offseason when we were in the midst of our suck. And they wouldn't even mention us. They're talking about a sorry-ass conference like the ACC. And, of course, they would lead with Clemson, as they should. And they would talk up Clemson and Dabo's doofus ass and all that nonsense. And I would watch and I'd be like, yeah, man, they're the best team in the conference. They own us. There's, can't really push back on that as much as it hurts my soul. And then I'd read about Louisville in the Atlantic, and I'd read about Boston College's defense, and then I would read about an improved offensive line at Wake, and then they would jump over to the newly, I think, probably pet cause of the ACC riders, North Carolina, and the old fat man trying to lead his way back in there one more time for a run. Virginia Tech, are they going to make their way back? Is Miami back again? I would read all these things. And the article would end, and they didn't even, they were like, we don't even really need to talk about Florida State. What's the point? Why would we even bring them up? They don't even matter. God, dog, that was painful. That's the why you can't wait for this season. Because I, I did this once before. I was part of the Revenge Tour once before. Announced it from this here spot right here behind a microphone. I don't mean 93.3, just behind a microphone. And said, that's it. The Revenge Tour's on now, all you bitches that were just deflecting ignoring, laughing, scoffing, taking your time, mentioning every team in this conference, but the only one that really matters nationally, the one that moves the needle and changes the day. Florida State changes Saturdays. There are other teams who do too. We're not the only one. But Florida State changes Saturdays. If you're Joe Blow, we just referenced, that lives in wherever, Colorado, Utah. Topeka. I love to say Topeka. Okay, and you're sitting around mapping out your Saturday. You graduated from Air Force. Your football team is whatever. So you decide, all right, hopefully Air Force wins tonight. I'll go to that beautiful setting. That backdrop is gorgeous. Maybe we'll get that big win over Marshall today. That'll feel good. But as far as the real football being played. We'll probably screw Jeff and Tom on the Navy game. We will. We will. We always do. Anyhow, I'm going to sit down now and map out my day. I've got it mapped out. Who do I want to see play? Well, I want to see the big boys. I want to see the teams that matter. I want to see the teams that I traditionally have known when these two get together or this team takes the field. We've got future pros littered about the place. Look at him. That receiver's going to the league. That guy's going to the league. Oh, I hope we draft him. Look at him. He is sideline to sideline. And you're going to do all that stuff. Florida State's that team. 
where people go, oh, damn. Florida State's on at 3.30. All right. Florida State's on their time, of course. Oh, Florida State's noon kickoff today. Well, Mary, we're not doing the lunch. Florida State's on at noon. Tell Kyle we'll meet him at 3.30, 4 o'clock, somewhere in there, because I don't really care about the Ole Miss game. I mean, who does? That's how that conversation happens. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com, FSUHomeLoans.com. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply what's up guys our next partner that you're going to hear from is athletic greens you've heard me talk about athletic greens in the past happy to talk about them again i take athletic greens every day and I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se. And I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, it had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it, uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit and uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's Athletic Greens, and uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon neutral business, by the way. If that's important to you, it is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. Good to be with you. Thanks for being with us on a Balls McWednesday. Let's look at this. What am I looking at here? 10 wins, minus 125 for Bet Online, Florida State, 
over 10 wins, just minus 105. Or under 10 wins, minus 125. Over 10 wins, sorry, minus 105. Nice. All right, all right. Let's look what else Bet Online has. You want to post that sucker up there and let's look at that. Oh, what do I have here? I have the odds to win the ACC, and it looks like, if my math is correct, Florida State is your favorite. Woo, that hits different. You know, even the win total thing, which we're, we're peaked ahead of Clemson, sometimes with non-conference, that may play a factor in how you get there. But just to go through the ACC, to go to Charlotte, and to win the whole thing with no divisions, that we're still the favorite, that gets me a little nervous. I don't know about you. I don't get nervous about this. I've uh, I've wanted to have these expectations here for some time. I don't think, more importantly, that the team is nervous about it. I don't think Mike Norvell is affected by it in any way. I don't think that kind of heat, that kind of this, you know talking point, is going to bother this team at all. They are a team that, when you listen to them collectively, individually, when you watch them practice, that feels like a team that has unfinished business. They are, they're, they're angry about what they had to go through, but they went through it. They put in the work. They did what they had to do to get into a place now where they can have these expectations of themselves. They strike me as a bunch that is kind of like, uh, oh, nice of you to notice. Yes, don't mind if we do. We are going to take this conference this year. You're right to favor us. We're really good. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be perfectly smooth sailing. It doesn't mean that there isn't going to be a hiccup. This is not, this team is not Georgia two years ago where you looked out there and you went, sweet Jesus, I just don't see them losing a game other than the wear and tear of the collective battle of the SEC. It can happen. Road night games in that conference can be a toughie. But other than when you just looked at what they were, position by position, the depth of that talent, you went, man. That's the best team in the country. It's really not close. And then they proved it. They did have the hiccup two years ago, the one against Alabama. And they went on to win it and won the national championship. And then, of course, last year they won it all and back-to-back titles. And we know what they are, the juggernaut that they've been. Now, they're trying to do something no team has ever done, which is win back-to-back-to-back national championships. Nobody's ever done it. So we'll see if they do. Uh, As far as Florida State, when we talk about expectations, and I keep bringing that up, that's not us. We're not on that level. We're not trying to do something that's unprecedented. We're not that kind of team just yet. But we are certainly good enough to be talked about as a potential winner of the ACC. Oh, of course. And I think objective Clemson fans know it. Funny when you nudge your Clemson fans, the ones you know, the ones you talk to that might be capable of being objective about their program, where it's at currently, and what they're facing now with Florida State on the rise. Rightfully, they're not going to kowtow to Florida State. They shouldn't have to. They've owned us over the over a decade now. Basically, a decade they've owned us. It's it's brutal to have to admit. I hate it. But that's that's our reality. Much the way we owned them for eternity prior to this run that they've been on. Fine, fine. We can acknowledge both. But if you're being realistic, you know Florida State's close. They may even be ready. The one thing keeping Clemson fans back from saying that I agree Florida State should be the favorite to win the ACC, the one thing besides pride is that game's at Clemson. And you're going to say, look, man, 
I get it. But to be the man, you got to beat the man, and you haven't beaten us in eight years, nine years, whatever the hell it is. Come on in here and get it. If that's a road night game with everything on the line, yeah, man, that ain't easy because that's the lone spot in the ACC not named Doe Campbell Stadium that is very hard for people to go into and win. It's a hard place to play. We know. We were down on the field. They're breaking noise records and everything else. Uh, now, we own that ass on that night, but it is, it is difficult when they care, and they're going to care because they feel the pressure. They know what's coming down the pike. Yeah, they do, and what I'd say is you know, now with divisions being gone, this bet is not about, okay, can you eliminate your in- intra-division rival on the way to Charlotte? It's not about that anymore because you beat him once, you might see him again. You probably will see him. You probably will. Uh, North Carolina and Clemson have a tilt in November, which will be very interesting one way or the other for us. Whether we win on the road to Clemson or or we don't, you'll either be looking at your competition, you know, as long as we take care of business from there. The thing I'd say, though, is when you tie ACC championship to Florida State, immediately our fans think playoff and then the next prize, the biggest prize in the unless game, which is the Clemson. national championship. I mean, unless you lose to LSU? Correct. Correct. But what I'd say is this gets really interesting really fast because the last national championship team that we had was one of a kind. I mean, it's middle 90s Nebraska and us in the last 30 years that have been that dominant, that consistently over the course of the season to, yeah. you know, the yeah. championship game Ask until you get, yes. This won't be that, I don't think. Even though we are the ACC favorite, there's going to be a game that's not named Clemson on this schedule this year. We're, we circle Pitt blindly right now because of where it is and where it fits on the yeah, schedule. Yeah, just as a potential but, sort of outlier that you don't see right now. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be smooth sailing for, for this group in every game, where in the second half, you got Jordan Travis putting his feet up and the guys are playing hangman on the sidelines. This is not that type of season that's coming forward. But at plus 160, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that everybody is hip to Florida State in the Sharp community as much as they are. I didn't expect that this far ahead of kickoff in August. I think they're September. fading Clemson a little bit. There's been chinks in the armor. You could see it coming a little bit. They've had some little bumps in the road that they haven't had previously. They didn't look like a dominant team, even with that defensive line that they had. They still had problems every week with a lot of people that, from a talent standpoint, they shouldn't have had. They've had some coaching changes. Meanwhile, at Florida State, they survived this stretch where you didn't know whether the coach, who you liked, was still going to be around and have any momentum. They survived that run, came out the other side smelling like roses, not only looking good, but then the roster retention. And it starts with your quarterback, who proved himself to be one of the best 10 quarterbacks in college football last year. So now all of a sudden that kid comes back to go along with his top receiver, and you gave him tight ends, and you finally have an offensive line, like a legitimate top 10 in the country offensive line. Everybody saw Trey Benson last year. It didn't take that much research for people to realize, man, they got them a tight end now, two, three tight ends. Okay. The question is only going to be about the defense. And you can almost come back with a retort immediately when I say that with how can they not be better, even with warts in the back end, how can they not be better with a defensive line that is that deep that will force teams to be one-dimensional? They have to be better. All of a sudden, pass rushes get home when it's third and obvious every possession. I mean, you you can pin the ears and make this happen now. I I think you're set as your starters at linebacker. I don't love them. I certainly don't love them in coverage. They're adequate enough if they stay clean. 
and they, they'll stay clean because of that defensive line. You have an elite pass rusher on one side and a rising star on the other. If they stay injury-free there, and that's a big if, that's why we lack depth in certain key positions, why we're not Georgia. There's no reason they can't be much better against the good offenses they faced uh, that, that they'll face this year that they you know weren't good against last year. Will they be elite? Will they be championship level? You know, again, that's I, I don't think so. I, that's up for debate. I don't think they're championship level at linebacker. They're they're not proven championship level in the secondary at all at all. So you know, we'll see. Yeah, just when you look at that board and you see what those numbers are, and again, it's it's a plus one sixty at eight to five. Yeah, that's what five. it translates yeah. to. I just don't know that I see the value in that pick. You know what I mean? It, it, as a as a bettor, I look at it from a, a completely different perspective. At plus one sixty, you don't. No, no, I, I think one injury to one player, one key player, and that whole thing crumbles. You know, I, if we were three to one, if we were three to one or two and a half to one, maybe at that point I'd feel compelled. Like last year was seven and a half was the win total for the season. Seven yeah, and you half. and I both took the over. Yeah. Buddy, I couldn't wait I, we to jumped send on a it, text. Yeah, we both jumped on that. Yeah. I, the value was through the roof. Yeah. Now, we saw in practice, but I, they had the spring showcase. Everybody got to see what, what the working pieces were. This was going to be a team that was going to exceed seven and a half wins. They were just going to do it. Now for ACC championship thresholds, and I'm the guy who says it's playoff or bust this year. I'm just saying from a better's perspective, I don't know that there's a ton of value there at plus 160. Florida State being the odds-on favorite, there's just a couple of places where a key injury and this whole thing is derailed and you're looking at a nine-win season and, you know, unfortunate. you're, You're defining the difference between the elite championship level programs and and the ones who are, are climbing the mountain to get to that place. And that is Alabama suffers injuries, Georgia suffers injuries, Ohio State suffers injuries, and they've got a five-star kid or an elite transfer portal player or somebody to fill in for that guy that just left because they have that kind of depth at every layer. Now, again, you can always argue, rightfully so, that there are very few teams that if they were to lose their starting quarterback – aren't adversely affected to the point where they're no longer in consideration for a championship. Yeah, yeah that, that's fair. And, and some of those programs you just listed would be included in that discussion. They'd have to, Correct. I mean, last year, if, if Bryce Young went down, Alabama they're loses screwed. how many games? Well, they couldn't defend. Yeah, exactly. And now all of a sudden you don't have a guy pulling a rabbit out of his hat every Saturday just running around with eyes in the back of his head. They'd have been in damn big trouble. So, yes, it, it's it's rare anybody survives that. So we won't we won't count this as you're worried about a key injury to quarterback. You mean wide receiver, linebacker, yeah. safety. Well, I, actually, personally, I do mean quarterback when it comes to the value of, of the, the bet Of the bet. Now, I, I say, buckle up, baby. This is going to be one hell of a ride, <laughs> and I think it's going to the playoff. That's one thing. But then when you're telling me to lay down real coin, money, real money, that's a different consideration in terms of the risk versus the value. If it was paying out higher, love it. I love it. At 10, that's the one that I still, I'm going, hmm, not 10 and a half. And I think your recommendation last week at the over under 10 is why not play it? It's a push at worst. At worst. You're looking at it 10 is a two. push at worst. That yeah. schedule sucks. <laughs> We're going to beat that ass. Most Saturdays are butt kickings being delivered. Most Saturdays just doling out butt kickings. There's the exceptions, maybe three, three Saturdays where that's not going to be the case. Oh, now maybe there's score and one slip up. There's gonna be one. Oh, there was a game where you're like, man, that wasn't pretty. Twenty-seven to ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That was a little shaky. But I, but but I don't think there are, there. Are, are you predicting there's a game that we're not talking about on the schedule where it, late in the fourth it's tied? 
Could be. A I game mean, that Florida look, State is currently a huge favorite in? Well, a huge favorite or not. I mean, again, I, I go back to the situation with NC State. That was awful. And, I mean, the quarterback couldn't complete a forward pass. And we invented a way to lose that football game. We did because we didn't trust our sorry-ass kicker. That's partially the reason. Mm-hmm. But, you know, outside of the kicker trust issues, you've got a lot of opportunities, a lot of possessions to do something, anything, and win the football game, well, even by that's three. where I keep getting back to this receiving core not being elite. They dropped everything that Saturday night. They couldn't catch the ball, and they have a bit of a dropsies issue to begin with. And then the quarterback got frustrated and didn't yep. handle himself very well and showed immaturity for the first time ever and kind of came, came outside of his normal mm-hmm. way he comports himself. So I think he learned from that, though. I don't think you'd see that again. No, I don't the, think the, panic would set in again. No, the Florida game is a great retort to the NC yeah, State. Game. Yeah, it's like, okay, things aren't going well. We can't get a stop. I got to score every time. All right, here right. we go. Let's go. Drops again. Like, oh, it's yeah. All, it's all crumbling around him, and he finds a way to engineer us into the— yeah. Trailing in the Oklahoma game significantly yep. early on. I mean, a couple scores, and you've, yep. your, your best receiver's dropping touchdown passes again, and here we are going— Dog. He still went for two bills. Of course he did because yeah. that's who he is. Yeah. He, he's got, you know, hang in there. He'll make the catch. It'll be the one that you can never predict because it's behind him and his head, he's flipping over backwards and barely finding a way to get a toe down. He'll make that catch. God forbid he's wide open in the middle of the field with nobody within 50 yards. He's dropping that all day, every day. So there you go. They responded. So the question, well, there's one of the favorite words of the head coach. Should Florida State be the betting favorite? In the ACC. Yes. All right. Too much talent at quarterback. It's a sure thing. Clemson's got a talented young quarterback that they think the world of, and most experts project him to be great. We've seen glimpses. We know he's talented, but he hasn't proven it at the highest level yet, playing in big games and coming through the way that Jordan Travis did last year in the second half of the season. Now, again, I worry about Florida State's defense more than any other aspect of this team. This offense is going to light the world on fire. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Jeff Cameron Show brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness. Two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Hey, bright and early this morning, Tom, I got an answer to a question we had last week. It came from Dan. Dan, thank you so much for listening to the program. Appreciate your email. I actually responded to Dan at 6.57 a.m., so Dan must think I am timely on these emails. Why are you saying Dan like Lois Einhorn? Because it's fun to say it that way. Uh, So Dan sent me this email. He wrote it at 6.35 a.m., I said, look at here, Dan's a man after my heart. He's getting after it early in the day, ready to put in that work. You like to send emails, Dan? Dan said, here you go. 
Here you go, Jeff. Here's that info you wanted last week while you and Tom were talking about the crazy Alabama coach giving inside dope, inside information to a guy at a Cincinnati casino who's trying to make a very odd bet on college baseball. (laughs) One that raised the red flags rather quickly. With a cash duffel bag. Dumbass. But when we read that story last week, and this is a short segment, so I wanted to put a ribbon on it, and uh, we did ask the question, how the hell did they know who he was talking to? You asked. You were concerned yeah. about his civil liberties. You wanted to That's know correct. how it was my man could be tracked this way. I'm a champion of civil liberties. There you That's go. Right. So Dan's a longtime listener and a graduate of Florida State, and he said, hey, Jeff, got a coworker that used to be management level at an Ohio casino. Ooh. Per him, state of Ohio takes about 32 cents of every dollar that a casino takes in. They have a vested interest in keeping tight tabs on things along with the rest of the gambling industry, which I alluded to, and the worries about reputation and game integrity, etc. In a conversation about the Alabama coach, he said, listen, it takes no time at all for them to get a warrant signed to get phone records, tap, or do approximately anything needed to identify a cheat. So they've got the red phone to a judge. We need to know who this guy's talking to, and there you go. Perhaps the Cincinnati red phone. And it is a oh, well-played, terribly well-played. Hour number two, forthcoming. There's your answer, though. They can do it.